Okay, hello, uh, and welcome back to the Person of Interest podcast with me, Natalie Jones. I love guests like this. So this came about, um, let's see, like about a month ago. One of my buddies I haven't seen in about 10 years. Facebook messaged me and is like, hey, Natalie, my girlfriend is phenomenal, and she needs to come on your podcast. In fact, she's a podcast of her own, and it's called fi- it's called Optimal Finance Daily, which is where she reads financial blogs every single day from uh, financial experts from around the world. It's about 10 minutes long, and I have actually um, put it into my daily routine just from meeting her and learning all this stuff because you can always be better about your finances. And it's been amazing. It's like if you are interested in saving more money or getting yourself out of debt just like Diana did, this is where you need to be. So she actually was introduced to the FIRE movement about five years ago. That's financially independent, retire early. And she kind of uh, um, like adhered to that lifestyle. Within that time, she's been able to pay off $30,000 in debt. She took off a bunch of time from work and didn't get like an unpaid sabbatical and went and traveled all around Spain. And then she started the economy, let's see, conference? We'll call it a conference. The economy conference, which is a, which is a two-day financially literate seminar that's happening here in Cincinnati. And it happens on the University of Cincinnati campus. And actually, this year, it's in two weeks. That is November 13th and 14th. And if you use my code, Natalie Jones, you can get a discount when you are buying your tickets. You can get your tickets at economyconference.com. That's E-C-N-O-M-E-C-O-N-F-E-R-E-N-C-E.com. Miriam, um, I mean, Diana is just a really cool chick. I had such a great time talking with her. She's really passionate about what she does, and she comes from good people. You know when somebody says, you know someone who you really like and trust and know is a good, solid human and is like, I think you would really like this person? You trust them. And I did, and I'm very excited. I am. I cleared my schedule for next week. That's November 13th and 14th here in Cincinnati on the University of Cincinnati's campus. I'm going to be there. I hope to see you here. Again, get your tickets at economyconference.com. Use the code Natalie Jones. And uh, hear her story. Dig right in. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And uh, everybody, this is Diana Miriam. Oh, and don't forget to check out her podcast at the Optimal Optimal Finance Daily. Well, Diana, thank you for being here today. Well, thanks so much for having me. Ooh, let's get this close. Okay. And uh, you can move it around to however you, however the right, thing moves to feel comfy yeah. with is you. Is that a good spot? Yeah, you're, but you know um, a lot about podcasting, probably more than I do. You are no stranger. Because you have Optimal optimal Finance Daily, yes. which is like a 10-minute podcast where you read um, financial news from other financial experts from all over the globe Correct. every single day. Yeah, it's a daily show. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, 10 minutes or less. And I'm essentially narrating these articles and I give you a little bit of my own commentary at the end. Yeah. But what I love about it is it's like all these great bloggers wrote these amazing songs and I get to perform the covers. Wow. <laughs> that's a great way to put it. I get to serenade you with the sweet sounds of personal finance knowledge ah, every single day. Personal finance knowledge, which is something that I feel like everyone, if you don't have a grasp on it, it's such an important thing in life to, um, you know, it's like, I, I, especially for women. Oh, yeah. Okay, especially for women. I say this because I started my career here four years ago with a dirtbag credit report Mm -hmm. and dirtbag credit history. And I have never been taught how to to manage money. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. And the past four years, it's been a struggle. I have been, like, just asking people left and right for advice, what to do. And so many other professional women that I looked up to um, financially, spiritually, mentally, Mm -hmm. emotionally, professionally— um, when I started asking the questions about finances, 
literally 100% of the women said, I don't really know my husband deals with that or like my dad um, helped me buy the house. I really don't know. I just signed the paperwork. Literally, Natalie, I really have no idea. And they just like, and they brush it off so easily. And I'm here by myself like, wait, what? Yeah. You don't have control of your own finances and you are you and you own these businesses and you do this and you had this job and you have no idea what your finances are. It blew my mind. It is a very taboo topic. It right? is. I mean, the topic of money to me, once I was able to wrap my head around it, it completely changed my life. Okay. So tell us about that. How did you get to be sure. where you are now? Because your financial story and success story is pretty amazing. And go on. And you're, <laughs> I mean, you're you're incredibly well versed and you're not. What is what would you say your profession, your professional title is now? Um, well, I built my career in brand extension and licensing. I had okay. a degree in marketing like I was very much climbing the corporate ladder and knew nothing about money. And even today, I'm not a financial advisor. I, I don't have any credentials to be talking about money. However, I figured it out for myself. Yeah. And it completely changed my life. And so that's why I share my story. But really where it started for me is I was 28 years old, living in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been focused on my career all through my 20s. Yeah. And was I would define my 20s as very, I was financially illiterate. I mean, okay. I really had no idea what I was doing. I was not paying attention. And at that point in my life, I had thought, well, I'm going to be making millions one day. <laughs> and so I'll figure out this, this stuff later, right? Ah. I was just so focused on increasing my income. And that's wonderful that I had confidence in my earning potential, yeah. right? Good for me. <laughs> However, it's a terrible financial strategy. It is. Yes. It'll it be is. okay. When, I feel like that's what I've been doing um, up until about like a year or two ago. Just like, I'll figure it out. Oh, yeah. I'll figure oh, it yeah. out. And so, you know, that 30th birthday was looming for me. And mm-hmm. I think 30 is one of those very reflective birthdays where you're, you know, kind of looking at what am I doing with my life? And so um, I had not been paying attention to my money at all to the point where I knew I had debt, but I didn't know how much debt I had collectively. Mm, yeah. I knew I was paying my minimums on my credit cards. I had a few student loans. I wasn't really worried about it. Well, I ran a credit report on myself and I got to look at my debt collectively. I was 30 grand in debt for literally no reason, simply from not paying attention. So wow. half of my debt was student loan debt, which 15 grand of student loan debt is like nothing, nothing. right? It yeah. doesn't seem bad at all. However, I went to college on a full academic scholarship. Wow. I should have had no student loan debt. However, yeah. it was offered to me. And at 18, no one's telling me not to take out these loans. So yeah. I just do it. I did the same right? thing. So I took out loans for living expenses. And then the other half of my debt was credit card debt, simply from just living outside my means. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just gallivanting around New York City, swiping that credit card with like no rhyme or reason to Ooh, it. Ooh, I feel like that's what I do now here in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. So what happened was I ended up coming across this blog called Mr. Money Money mustache, which sounds okay. insane. Like, what does that guy know about money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mr. Money Mustache. Yes. Okay. But he's actually one of the most popular bloggers within the FIRE movement, which okay. stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. And that's kind of like your lifestyle now. Yes. So the FIRE movement completely changed my outlook on finances. Mm-hmm. And it's really a lifestyle movement with the goal of financial freedom. The FIRE movement it's it's it kind of some people think it's like a cult, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of us are saving like 60, 70% of our income, which sounds insane to most yeah, how people. How do you survive? So 
and and that's kind of what we were talking about even before we started recording, right? Is I had to recognize that my money situation, if I was solely focused on my income and not focused on money management, that's where I was going wrong. Ah, so okay. So I'm writing this down, I'm taking it. <laughs> so where your wealth is built is in the gap between your income and your expenses. Mm. So if you just focus on increasing your income and your expenses increase along with that, you've done nothing about the gap. So a lot of what we talk about in the FIRE movement is how do you identify what that gap is? How do you grow that gap through, yes, increasing your income, but also decreasing your expenses? How do you protect that gap through investing? And how do you deploy that gap? So maybe some of it goes through to investing. Some of it goes to your emergency fund and the rest of it you throw at debt, right? How do you kind of manage what you do with that money? How empowering is this to feel in control when it, when it comes to speaking of fire, when it comes to finances, I feel like it is like a, like a live wire or like um, maybe like a fire in my brain. I feel so uncomfortable with it. It's so unstable in my world. Somehow I don't know how to do it. For instance, everything I'm wearing costs a hundred dollars right now, mm-hmm. and then and then I'm wearing this Apple Watch that was way more than that. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe I shouldn't be doing that anymore. Well, here's you know? the thing: <laughs> I think you have to go through a very deep mindset shift and to enable you to stop spending that way. Mm-hmm. So we have been conditioned since we were born to be consumers. We live in a very consumerist culture. We're constantly inundated with ads that tell us to get the Apple Watch and the brand new clothes, right? Mm -hmm. I think we are left in this perpetual state of being dissatisfied with what we already have. So if you can recognize the hedonic treadmill that most of us are on. Oh, hedonic. That's how you say that word? Yes. (laughs) And so... I had to kind of recognize that a lot of the ways that I was spending money, yes, I would get that shot of dopamine, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't leading to lasting happiness, right? For me, I recognize that my happiness is found in the people that I spend my time with, having full autonomy over my time, and having the ability to create what I want to see in the world. Oh, boy, Um, that sounds like a dream. Yeah, and so that's kind of the trade-off is that I said, okay, let me be a little less materialistic and stop chasing all of the fancy stuff and start chasing things that are actually going to to lead towards my happiness. Mm-hmm. So I, I think when a lot of people think about um, decreasing their expenses, it feels like deprivation. But in my mind, I'm still buying something. I'm buying autonomy over my time, which is a lot more valuable than the stuff that I used to buy. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I think having a very deep appreciation for what I have now helps me combat this desire for more. Mm. So like we, we were talking about cars before we started recording and, yeah. um, you know, I have this car 2010 Mazda three that I bought for $6,000. I didn't settle for that car. I desire that car more than I want a Tesla. Mm. And the reason is because I don't have a car payment. I appreciate that it gets me from point A to point B and I'm not, finding my value in materialistic things my god this is this makes so much sense of why you're with your boyfriend that you're with now i do know this about him and i've always known about and always known his frugality about him yes wow. yeah. Wow. yeah yeah and i also think that i went through a period of kind of self-imposed restriction 
where I was making the decision on my terms on how to reduce my expenses. I wanted to learn how to do that because I do think that frugality is a muscle. Mm -hmm. I wanted to learn how to do that while I was gainfully employed because I think if it's externally imposed through a job loss or like a health scare, it's it's a lot more uncomfortable to learn those frugal behaviors. Hey, it's like you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. Exactly. And I think for me, that self-imposed restriction opened up this world of creativity and resourcefulness that was a lot more satisfying than mindless consumption of swiping that credit card. So for example, I stopped eating out so much. That Mm -hmm. was a big thing for me. I loved going out. I loved going out drinking and partying all night. And Mm -hmm. like every meal I was like eating out, right? Mm -hmm. So I started cooking every single meal I ate, which I think for a lot of people are like, wow, that sounds like such a burden. First of all, that's a, that's a first world problem, Yeah. right? I have access to a grocery store. I have the ability to feed myself. That is worth celebrating. It's Let's so stop true. looking at that as a hardship, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, you know, cooking every meal that I ate, I became an amazing cook. I started getting really creative in the kitchen. I would start hosting these elaborate dinner parties where I'd cook this amazing meal and everybody would bring the booze and we'd make my apartment more fun than a bar. Yeah. That is creativity and resourcefulness. Same thing with like clothing. You talked about how everything you wore is $100. Mm-hmm. Most of my stuff is hand-me-downs for my friends because they're oh much more fashionable gosh. than me. So I would host these clothing exchanges in my apartment where all my fashionable friends would clear out their closets Mm -hmm. and we'd have an afternoon of mimosas and music and trying on each other's clothes. And that was to me, a more superior experience than swiping the credit card. It totally is. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. I feel like you're going, you're doing all of, it just takes more effort. It does take more effort, but I would argue that effort is the spice of life. Yeah. And what's the alternative? Right. To to slave away at, you know, a job where you don't have full autonomy over your time to afford a lifestyle to impress people that you don't even like with mm-hmm. money that you don't have. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like it's this this consumerist culture that we're in is a little bit insane. And I think we have to be pretty intentional to kind of push back against that. Yeah. You know, it's easy to get in um, to let the consumerism take over you. Before I moved um, to Cincinnati, had this job four years ago, I was living the simplest life and um, had just a little itty bitty life and was spending all my money traveling mm-hmm. and doing stuff like that, which I really loved. And now, um, now that no longer life has changed a lot. I have just somehow over four years, it's slowly just eaten away. Mm. And then just like one day I just waterfalled and was like, I'm in it. And like how, I mean, there's a little bit of shame or there's a oh, little yeah. bit of like the people like that, that mentally and emotionally people carry around the guilt of, oh, my God, I know I'm doing this. But like, what do I do? How do I get out of this? There is a lot of shame, but I think we have to work on our mindset of expanding our ideas of what's possible. Okay. You can improve your financial situation. There are so many examples of people worse off than you yeah. that are figuring it out. Right. And so that's one of the things I love about the fire movement is everything I had read up to that point about getting out of debt and improving my finances had this tone of struggle to it. Mm -hmm. This is going to be hard. This is going to feel like deprivation. The fire movement has this tone of opportunity and optimism in that we are surrounded by abundance. We need to be a little bit more grateful for what we do have in the fantastic positions that we're in now. It's just about deploying our resources a little bit differently. Wow. It doesn't sound culty a little bit. 
maybe. But also changing anybody's <laughs> but changing anybody's mentality. Everyone, you can say whatever is like regardless. This sounds pretty fantastic. So t- wait, so tell me how I know you um, found you got yourself out of thirty thousand dollars of debt, yeah. and then you walked across Spain, was yes. it for two yes. months? And tell me all about this story. Sure. So I think what changed my life was getting out of 30 grand of debt in 11 months. In 11 months. That changed everything for me because what we just talked about, it kind of opened up my world of what's possible. And the fact that I enjoyed that whole process and it didn't feel like deprivation because I was tapping into this level of creativity and resourcefulness, Mm -hmm. it just kind of opened up my mind of like, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. And so from there, I started saving about 60% of my income. 60. How yes. does one do that? So what, what, what you're spending money is nil? So it is about reducing your expenses, mm-hmm. right? And as my income was increasing with my employer, I was not letting lifestyle creep come in. Yeah. I was keeping my expenses right where they were as my income was increasing. So I was, I was growing the gap, mm-hmm. right? Um, the biggest place where people spend money is housing, transportation, and food. Yeah. If you can optimize in those three areas, all, a lot of the stuff around like don't buy Starbucks every day and yada, 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 right? That that does have an effect, right? Every dollar does count. But I think you got to focus on those three big areas first. And when mm-hmm. you're fully optimized there, then you can start picking away at some of the other stuff. Um, I, I had to become very aware of my spending. That to me is the key. Yeah. Is to I tracked every single dollar that I spent. And even today, I track every single dollar. I know that my life costs me between 25 and 30 grand a year because I I track every dollar I spend. I watch it every month. Wow. Right? And so and that is not me living on rice and beans. That is me living a very full luxurious life. Mm-hmm. Um and so anyway, I'm I feel like I'm jumping around all over the place. Getting out of debt I moved to save 60% of my income. Mm -hmm. And from there, I kind of felt like, all right, now I'm in this financial position where I've got a little bandwidth. And my employer at the time, I, you know, I was in sales. I was doing really well. I was one of their top salespeople. They were giving me these great raises. And so around the time of my 30th birthday, I said, what's more important to me right now than more money? was already saving 60% of my income. I mean, Mm -hmm. I could have said, all right, well now let me save 70 and 80 and like, let's just keep saving. But I feel like I opened up this opportunity to start asking bigger questions. Like, what do I want to do with my time? Who do I want to spend it with? What do I want to create? And so I wanted to have this amazing life experience of going to walk the Camino which is, um, it's historically a Catholic pilgrimage, Mm -hmm. but it's a 500-mile trek across Spain. And I wanted to do this for my 30th birthday. It was something that completely intimidated me, but it just felt like, it felt like such an opportunity. At the time, I had no debt, no man, no kids. Mm -hmm. I had the kind of freedom that I think people dream about. And I felt this sense of responsibility to do something with that. So, you know, I talked to my employer and I said, look, I don't need another raise. What I would like to do is move from New York City to Cincinnati and work remotely. And I want two months off unpaid to go walk the Camino. And the way I pitched it to them is if I were to have a baby right now, I'd be taking three months off. I don't want to birth a child. I want to birth a world adventure. Hey, look at you go. You can sell anything. Yes, that is true. So, I mean, they were like, hey, you know, that sounds kind of, that sounds pretty good. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so I ended up, you know, moving to Cincinnati. So I, I 
further was able to decrease my expenses. I went from an $1,800 a month rent in Mm -hmm. New York City for like a cockroach filled apartment in the bowels of Brooklyn to a $600 a month mortgage in Madisonville. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, So that was a very good move for me. So I go and I do this crazy trip, walk across Spain, amazing adventure. And then I come home, I adopt a dog, I buy a house, I find myself a Midwestern gentleman. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of settle into this path of, you know, I'm going to continue saving 60% of my income and retire or be financially independent by 40 based on my projections. Oh. But I think, again, I continue to ask these questions of, what do I want to create? What do I want to do with my time? Who do I want to spend it with? Mm-hmm. And so one of these ideas, my kooky ideas, like the Camino or clothing exchanges or whatever, yeah, uh, was I wanted to create a party about money. Ooh, create a party about money. Yes. Go, girl. And this is because... You, just call it, you should just call it the white elephant party. That's, that's right. Really. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I recognize that I started going to all these events um, my favorite is called World Domination Summit, which sounds insane. Like, who produces that pinky in the brain or yeah. something, right? But when I, and that's $700 a ticket to go to that event. Whoa. So, for someone as frugal as me, I think that's a good example to show that I'm not cheap. I am, I very much value my money and that I want to spend it well. And so that $700 ticket, what I get out of that event, it's worth every penny. Mm-hmm. What I would get out of buying a Tesla isn't worth it for me, yeah. right? Um, and so every time I go to that event, I feel like my life is so full of possibility. I'm surrounded by people with these growth mindsets that are doing really cool things in the world. Yeah, yeah. And I just walk away with this just feeling of expansiveness. And so I wanted to create that feeling for other people when it comes to money. I also think community is huge. There's that saying of like, you are the product of the five people around you. Mm -hmm. I also love this other um, quote that I heard recently. If you look at your inner circle, like the five people, your inner circle, and you're not inspired, then you don't have a circle. You have a cage. Yeah, you got to go find that. your circle, yeah. right? You got to go find the people that are also trying to better themselves and have that growth mindset. And by the way, what's the point of reaching financial independence and retiring early if you have no one to hang out with? Yeah, true. Right? Like we need to have <laughs> friends that are also on this path. So I, I dreamed up this idea that I'm calling the economy conference. Mm-hmm. And this was what I was supposed to do when I reached financial independence at 40 years old. This was the answer to the question, what would I do with my time if I didn't have to work for money? Mm-hmm. The thing is, I got so excited about it that I couldn't wait. <laughs> I had to do it now because I just kept dreaming about it. So I'm like, I just got to go do this. Super and, cool. and I'm so glad that I did. So we had our first event at the University of Cincinnati with 250 people. March 7th of 2020, one week before everything shut down. Whoa. I totally dodged a bullet. Totally dodged a bullet. Yeah. Um, but it went so well and it was so just impactful for people to meet other like-minded people, to see our main stage speakers that have incredible stories to share. Um And they talk about this topic of financial independence from a lot of different angles, whether it's what do you do about student loan debt? Um, or like I was telling you, one of the most popular speeches from last year was a woman who named, her name was Jackie Cummings Kosky. She discovered the fire movement at 38 years old as a single black mother making less than six figures. And she was able to retire in 10 years. Wow. So 
it's people kind of sharing how they've been able to do this. It's incredibly inspiring and really starts to get your wheels turning of like, how can I make this work for me? Mm -hmm. Wow. I cannot wait to get involved in this. This is so, so, so exciting. So then tell us more. How does the, um, so you're throwing another one this year. Yes. November 13th and 14th. Yes. It's a Friday and Saturday. And then what does the, so FIRE stands for financial independence, retirement, early. Yes. You're telling me that my life doesn't have to be super drab and boring or anything like that in order to go into this? Correct. Yeah. I think it's all about kind of building the life that you want to live when you reach financial independence Mm -hmm. on your pathway there, right? There are a lot of people that I think deprive themselves on the past because they think if I reach financial independence, that's this magic number where I'm all of a sudden going to be happier. I think if you're miserable on the path, you're going to be miserable when you get there. I like how you (laughs) like to highlight the journey and not the destination. You know, what's crazy is like a lot of these things you're saying are life lessons that I've applied to everything else but money. And it never even crossed my mind to apply these things to your finances. Absolutely. You know, and you're making the the taboo, as you say. I mean, it's. I think it's great and empowering to talk about money. We have to. Yeah. And it's, it's an incredible resource. It's just as important as your time and your energy. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I think those three resources really impact each other, too. If you're spending all of your time and energy making money and you have no bandwidth left in your life to enjoy it what's the point of that and then there's the flip side if you don't make any money then you 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 are limited in what you can do with your time and energy Mm -hmm. so I think there's really a balance that we need to be mindful of on our path to financial independence one of the other things I really like about the fire movement is it gives a lot of it demystifies the the realm of finance right so what does it mean to reach financial independence there's it's a very mathematical equation You are said to be phi when you have 25 times your yearly expenses in your nest egg, in your investments. Whoa. And that is based on something called um, the Trinity study, which is, you know, this is kind of how they figure out how much do you need for traditional retirement when you're 65? How Mm -hmm. much money do you actually need that you can draw down from it from with a safe withdrawal rate, which is also known as the 4% rule. In theory, you can draw down 4% of your portfolio for the rest of your life and never run run out of money. Mm. That's the kind of number that we're all striving for when when we're trying to reach financial independence. So having that clarity on what your expenses are helps you figure out what is that fine number and what am I working towards? And a lot of us, that fine number is actually a lot lower than we think. If you talk to like a Susie Orman, she's gonna tell you you need you know, five to $10 million to ever retire. Most people in the fire movement, I would say are targeting around a million dollars. That leaves you with uh, 40 grand a year at that 4% withdrawal rate. That's kind of like a typical number to shoot for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. This all like you're, you're making this all sound so easy to absorb, but also I'm incredibly like, I feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. because it's not mm-hmm. something that I'm super savvy with as much as I've been quote unquote, in charge of my finances this whole time, I don't feel like I'm in charge of them. I feel like they control me. And the amount of money I have and my credit score is really controlling so many of the decisions I make in life. Well, I'll say this about credit score. A lot of people think that your credit score is an indicator of your financial health. It's a number that indicates how well you are at borrow, how good you are at borrowing money, money, right? Isn't that really important though? Well, it's important if you want to buy a house. It's important if you're going to, you know, um, finance a car. Yeah. Um, you a good credit score, you know, is good for if you want to rent. Um, you know, a lot of times landlords will run your 
credit report to see mm-hmm. like how good they think you will be with money and being able to pay your rent. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's diminishing returns. Like after about 720, you're not getting favorable terms on more favorable terms than you would. Good you to know. know. Yeah. So like my my credit score is 820. Wow. Oh, my God. Right. But it's not, I mean, it it was helpful when I bought my house, but otherwise I look at a credit score as just a natural byproduct of other good financial habits. So you pay off your credit cards every month, you know, you pay them on time. I would focus more on your net worth. That is the number that I think matters a a lot more than your credit score. Yeah. Yeah. What are some, um, like if you're, you're telling me what are some tips that I can use today mm-hmm. moving forward just like what's the first thing you want to look at when you want to reevaluate your finances I think the first thing and just hearing some of the language that you're using around I'm overwhelmed this mm-hmm. is something that is scary there's shame around money mm-hmm. I think the first step is working on that mindset right okay. because stop telling yourself that this is hard to figure out look at me I was you six years ago And now I'm in an incredible financial position, right? You can turn this around. You absolutely can. I mean, that's good to hear that. I really thought like, oh my God, I'm never gonna be able to buy a house. Never gonna be doing all this stuff. You know, because there's, I feel like I came at it so late in life and it was great and then I messed it up, blah, 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 blah. This is so fixable. It is 100% fixable. I think the, the, Thing is just to focus on it right just like anything else if you want to lose weight you focus on what you're eating and your exercise right mm-hmm. if you want to fix your finances I think the first thing is growing awareness awareness on how you're talking to yourself about money yeah and then awareness on actually where your money's going right so I the first thing I like to tell people is track every single dollar it's really hard to reallocate where you're sending your money if you don't know where it's going in the first place Right. So being really aware of, you know, what is that gap between my income and expenses? And if there is no gap, that's a problem. And what is causing that? Is that just from mindless spending or is that actually from your fixed costs? Like, is that from your, you know, your car payment and your mortgage or your rent? Mm -hmm. If that's taking up such a big part of your income, well, maybe we need to move and find some place to live that's cheaper. Maybe we need to rent out a room in our house. To I did that for years. Yeah. Um, and had a roommate that was covering a portion of my mortgage. Oh my you gosh. know, um, there's plenty of ways to fix it, but I think having the the initial awareness of what are my expenses, what is my income, what is this gap, and how can I grow the gap? Um, budgeting is a dirty word for a lot of people. But it is. it is so important. And it's not about restriction. I think it's it's much more about telling your dollars where to go versus wondering where they went. Right? Oh, that's so, so it's so empowering. It puts you in the driver's seat, that you are in control, that you are not at the mercy of your money, that you are telling it where to go. And you want to make sure where you are spending money is in line with your values. So you love to travel, right? That's mm-hmm. something that you spent a yeah. lot of money on. Yeah. I'm not saying don't travel. I'm saying maybe we're a little bit more intentional about it. What if we talked about uh, travel hacking? You know, I love to travel too. I can't remember the last time I paid for a flight. I What? I do credit card churning for the bonus points when you sign up. Now, you don't want to do that if you have problems with overspending because then you can get yourself into credit card debt. Mm-hmm. But if you are paying your credit cards off every single month, mm-hmm. um, you don't incur any interest. And so... What I like to do is when when I know I have a big expense coming up, 
I will open a credit card that has a really good signing bonus, swipe that card for the big purchase, get the signing bonus, and then I collect those points, right? And then I just, yeah. and then that's what I use to travel. So there are really resourceful ways to mm-hmm. still do the things that you want to do and maybe not spend as much money. Wow. Okay. Like there's so much, so much more going on here. <laughs> so you don't spend, so if you're saving 60% of your income, mm-hmm. what do you, like to me, I, I equate fun with spending money. So mm-hmm. I'm like, how am I going to do, what is your, you know, what's like your fun income? You know? Yeah. So the ability to enjoy simplicity, I think is a real skill set. It's the whole like mental mind, body and soul. It really is. It really about. is. So when I think about how I used to have fun, it would be going out, partying, swiping that credit card, mm-hmm. bars, going out to dinner, clubs, all of that, right? What I do for fun now is like every single weekend I do a long distance hike with one of my best friends. Great. Six hours, like incredible hikes around Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, we would like float down the Miami River in the middle of the week because she also has full autonomy over her time. Nice. Right? Those two activities are like the things I looked forward to most. They cost me nothing. They don't cost me anything, right? I read a lot. I get books from the library. I read a lot. I cook a lot. Um, Hang out with my boyfriend. This sounds like a dream. Yeah. Honestly. And also it sounds really intimidating. I'm like, I got a lot of work to do. But see, there you go again. Stop saying it's hard. I know. Gosh. But it's a habit, right? You you have this habitual thinking that this is going to be hard. Mm -hmm. And so I think the more that you read about it, I'll send you books. I'll send you blogs changing that mindset is going to be key for you in order to change your behaviors and to be able to enjoy it. Because if it feels like deprivation, I would argue that you're doing it wrong. And you don't feel deprived at all? No. And when are you going to be, when are you going to meet your number? So I say I'm going to reach five by 40. Uh I could very well still meet that timeline. But I've kind of, in my life now, the timeline almost feels irrelevant because I'm already living the way that I would want to live at five. And so so that's been a big shift for me personally and my evolution with money. I thought I was waiting until I hit my fine number to do all the stuff that I'm doing now. Yeah. And what I ended up doing, I actually quit my job in January of this year. Wow. And I'm not financially independent, but I am what's considered coast fi. So what that means is based on what I've saved in my retirement vehicles, I have enough money in there that if I don't contribute one more dollar, it will grow in 30 years to what I need for traditional retirement. It's a milestone on the path to financial independence. So it opens up options, right? It opens mm-hmm. up, I could take my foot off the gas a little bit if I wanted and just worry about covering that 25 to 30 grand a year that I need to cover my normal expenses, wow. right? So I, I have a fully funded emergency fund. My retirement accounts are basically funded to what I need. I have less of a need to save. And so now it's like, okay, well, that takes a lot of pressure off. Now I get to explore, like, what do I want to do with my time? Mm -hmm. And um, so I've kind of taken this year as almost like a mini retirement to see, like, what do I want to create? What what do I could I could I pursue self-employment in a way that um, is satisfying and that maybe doesn't make me a lot of money? But that is a deeply satisfying way to use my time. I am just getting so overwhelmed with like so much joy and joy for you, envy and also motivation. <laughs> like this is, sounds amazing. <laughs> to me, that sounds like the perfect life. And also now I feel like I can do this. I can actually do this. 
And even on my salary, whatever it is, I can make this work. And so when you say buy financial independence, does that mean that you don't have to work or that you just you're not worrying about it? Yeah, I would say most people that reach financial independence, when you say retire early, whether you do it at 30 or 65, please don't sit around and do nothing. Yeah. Right. Like what looks like work to other people may not necessarily be work to you. Right. Like mm-hmm. I produce this event, the economy conference. I don't make any money off of it. It is a ton of work, a yeah. ton of work. Right. So people probably look at me and say, this is not a mini retirement. You're still working. Yeah. Um, so I would say that it allows you the option to work when you want. And if you want, your livelihood is not dependent on your paycheck because you are able to draw down from your investment portfolio. Mm-hmm. So it just opens up options. There's no rule that says when you reach financial independence, you have to stop working. Maybe you want to take a break. Maybe you want to take a year off. Maybe you want to go do something cool and explore. And then maybe you go back to work in a couple of years. You know, it's, it's more about options than it is about not working. Wow. This sounds fantastic. And how long did it take you to adopt all of this and to learn all of this? I mean, this was six years ago. That I discovered it, and you and you just you discovered the fire movement, changed your life. And did you like read a book? Yeah. So I would say Mr. Money Mustache is the blog that like I devoured that blog. I ate it with a spoon. Like I read every single article, mm-hmm. and that is really what contributed to my mindset shift. I stopped saying things like this is going to be hard when I'm reading about this guy who retired at 30 years old because he saved 75 percent of his income, and he talks about how easy it was. And, and that mindset shift is, is really kind of what inspired me. And then on the investing side of things, because that always really intimidated me. And I will still say that as some, someone who talks about money every single day, mm-hmm. especially reading all these articles on my podcast, right? Yeah. I'm not, I still learn things every day. Or I about still come across, yeah, and I still come across stuff that intimidates me. Like cryptocurrency totally intimidates I me. I was just going to say, so I recently started investing in crypto kind of just for fun. And let's see, right now it's down. At least my number is down. And when I first started, somebody said to me, um, they said, just feel empowered to know that nobody actually knows what they're doing. Even if it's their job, they don't actually really know. And so we all are just figuring it out every day. Like, I don't know if that makes me feel better that I, well, good thing I'm not trusting anybody with my money, but also what control do any of us have over it anyway? Well, I will say that there are some, things that I feel I got set up that I feel very comfortable with. So Mm -hmm. like when I think about investing, I think of it as a very long-term thing. This is money that I don't plan to touch for decades perhaps, right? And so when it comes to volatility, because the stock market or crypto, it's going to be a roller coaster, right? It's going to go up and down. If you're watching that, that's going to drive you crazy. I know. I get updates on my phone. I need to turn them off. Yeah. And because what you see is, oh, it went down. I'm losing money. It's an unrealized loss. You only lose if you step, you sell. You still own the same amount that you did before. It's just worth less. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's going to continue to do that. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. It's going to have volatility. That's the way that the stock market works. But if you look at the stock market over longer periods of time, it always goes up. So you don't have to watch the roller coaster and think you're losing money because you're not selling anything and you're just going to wait for it to to get you to where you need to be in 30 years. So what I do for investing is I started with tax advantaged accounts, right? Mm -hmm. 
that for me amounted to twenty nine thousand. Yeah, an HSA, 401k, Roth IRA. That's where I started. It's we'll tw- have all three of those. Yeah, $29,000 a year you can put into those. That's the max you can put in each year. Okay. And the reason why I prior- prioritized those is because there's a limit on how much you can put in every year, and you can never catch up. And the tax advantages that you get for those accounts just make them very powerful investment vehicles. So I... That's the way I chose to do it is to simplify, right, is to fully fund those three accounts and then anything extra I throw into an after-tax brokerage. What you have is basically an after-tax brokerage. It's it's money you've already paid taxes on that you're investing, that you're playing mm-hmm. around with, right? So what the way I look at investing is that those accounts are like buckets. The water in each bucket is what you're choosing to invest in. And I have the same water in every bucket, which is a low fee total market index fund. Index funds are a strategy of matching the market versus trying to beat the market. A lot of times you, 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 know, you pay for a financial advisor or someone that's managing your assets. Their goal is to beat the market. I'm going to make you more money because I'm beating the market and that justifies you paying a fee. I don't care about beating the market. I care about matching the market because I know over the long term it's going to go way up and I don't feel like eating away at my investments by paying fees to a manager, Mm. right? Um, And so the book that helped me do this is called The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. Every other book that I've read on investing was intimidating. I didn't get it. I was overwhelmed. I still didn't know where to start. This book was it was so simple. It's the simple path to wealth. Um, and it really made me very comfortable with investing. Good. Good to know that. Well, okay, so how can people, I feel like I could ask you questions all day, but I'm really excited to go to yeah. your seminar and to keep listening to your podcast. So your podcast is Optimal Finance Daily. I've been listening to it. And the great thing about this is, is it's, um, you can dip in and out whenever you want to, whenever you whenever you got the time, whenever mm-hmm. you got the 10 minutes, et cetera, et cetera. And the good thing about it is I learn a little something here and there mm-hmm. every day, and um, which is I guess, which is empowering. I feel like yeah. this whole thing is about empowerment, and I'm all freaking for empowering the human, the human race, for sure. Pretty much also what I like about this, it kind of seems like F the man a little bit, which yeah. is totally my steez. Absolutely. Like, completely. Create your own completely. safety net. You know, mm-hmm. it's like... I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this. Yes, but. you can. Oh, okay, great. So <laughs> when I quit my job, I utilized what I like to call fuck you money. That's right, the fuck you money. You know, yeah. the fuck you moving is a big deal now. Oh, yeah. Wait, so how do you? How did you utilize the, the fuck you money? So essentially. Okay, I, like I keep saying for fuck you money, I'm like, I will buy myself a Louis Vuitton when no, I have fuck you money. Not, that, <laughs> but I don't have fuck you money. Who knows if that's ever going to happen? I think fuck you money is about having the resources to be able to walk away from a job that doesn't serve you anymore without yeah. having something else lined up and knowing that you can be your own safety net for a little bit. Okay. Um, and so what happened to me is I was with my employer for nine years. And I mean, who stays with an employer that long, right? I got to a position where it became very clear with a new boss that I was no longer valued. And so I got to a point where it was like, okay, I got to go. I don't have the next thing lined up, but I have two years of living expenses liquid. So I can, I can give myself- Whoa a little bit of time to like figure out what I want to do next and not feel so much pressure that I have to have an income right now. Wow. Uh, wow. You know, I read that the average American like has less than a thousand dollars in their savings account yeah. or something like that is scary. Exactly. That is crazy. Yeah. 
Oh, man. Okay. Well, Diana Miriam, thank you so much. Where can people find you? How can they get their buns to what is your event called? Yeah. So it's called the Economy Conference. And that's M-E at the end, not M-Y, because I'm so clever. Yes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So if you go to economyconference.com, you can check out the speakers we have lined up. You can check out our programming. You can go to uh, YouTube and just Mm -hmm. look for Economy Conference. You'll see all the speeches from last year. So it's just like TED Talks. I put the videos up on YouTube afterwards so that that it's more accessible to as many people as possible. Um, You can buy your tickets at economyconference.com. And we are going to give listeners of this show a 10% 10 discount um, with the code Natalie Jones, all caps, caps. one word. All right. For 10% off. And the event is happening November 13th and 14th of this year. At the University of Cincinnati. That's right. Well, you definitely see me there. I will be there with the notebook, trying recording everything. <laughs> I feel like financial freedom is in financial independence and just wherewithal is something that um, I personally crave. And I feel like it's a it's a need and a human right that we all deserve to give ourselves. Absolutely. Word girl. Well, thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs>